Paul. Andy. Can you pinpoint the exact moment that you feel you became a man? No. I honestly, I can't. I can't pinpoint the exact time that I felt like I became a man because I honestly don't feel like I am a man at this point. <laughs> I know. It sounds funny. I know. <laughs> laugh it up. Laugh it up. Oh, I but no. But no. I mean, when you really think about it. Okay. So it's like, I don't know. I almost felt like there was this 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 time where it's like okay everything that you used to be into like you had all these these childhood loves and and fantasies and hobbies and stuff like that and one one of the things of becoming an adult is you have to strip that stuff away it's just it's gone you don't have time for it childish it is it's childish so um because i still am very much i still very much enjoy my hobbies like uh Reading comic books, playing video games. Video games, obviously. Doing all that stuff. Yeah, obviously. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I've hit that that peak of my of my life. Hmm. So technically, you have yes, no idea. Came, yeah, technically it it did come out weird, but no, I don't feel like a man like right now. Hmm. I can I can define the exact time I became a man. Wow, when. It was when my doctor told me I had hypothyroidism, and then he gave me a magic pill, and I hit puberty. <laughs> I grew my first pube. I was like, this is it, baby. Manhood, here I come. <laughs> the beginning of the rest of my life. <laughs> it can only go up from here. Guess what? Dick stayed the same size. I was fucked. <laughs> that was it. I was like, cool. Thanks for manhood. I guess that did me a lot of fucking good, didn't it? So, uh, there you go. Wow. All right. That's, uh... <laughs> Here I thought I was giving this really philosophical uh, debate here. I'm like, yep. Well, on a positive note, from when I was younger and to when I am now, yeah, my dick increased in size. <laughs> well, that makes one of us on this couch. <laughs> Welcome to the first Power Trip Gaming Powercast. Ooh, it's not a podcast. It's a Powercast. Now you're listening with power. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, fuck. So we're um, we're trying something different. We're yeah, gonna... we are. So we've been doing Power Trip Gaming uh, for several years now, and yep. we are actually starting to now kind of uh, dip our... Our, uh, dip our big toes into other yeah, media, if dip you our, will. our feet, our big toe into uh, podcasting. That's we'll right. See where it goes. Usually, when we do uh, Power Trip, we're playing a game. So, conversation is hard to come by sometimes because we're busy concentrating on playing. So, Paul and I never have an, uh, an intelligent platform to spout our views and ideas. And sometimes there's a lot of animosity and a lot of anger that's coming out of us, that's, that's spewed out of us, instead of a calm, collected thought coming out of, our, yeah. out of our, our minds because we're busy playing the game. So this is a way to kind of um, interact, but in a, a calmer, just cooler manner. More I thought guess. out. Exactly. Yeah. So um, if you guys don't know who we are, um, I am Andy. And I am Paul. And we are Power Trip Gaming. We are playing our way through the entire NES collection. Um, the games that were licensed in North America. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yes. Because there's a lot more than there what we have. A, there's a lot more <laughs> than just the North American licensed games. But we are we had collected the uh, the entire collection 
back in April of 2014, 2014. Yes, yep. thank you. 2014. And uh, we decided that uh, it, it's one thing to collect them all, but now we got to play through them all. Exactly. So over the years, I think we've been on about three Since years. 2015. 2015, so three years. Yep, January um, 2015. Yeah, we've tackled... 150 plus games at this point so i mean we're trucking our way along mm-hmm. we had a couple of hiccups along the way a couple of hiccups but we're we're yeah. back we're stronger than ever and yep. uh we're still going hell yeah man so. <laughs> so um a little bit about us obviously uh if you don't watch the show i'm very into rpgs and i my forte of games is actually survival horror i actually am a very big fan of of survival horror um dungeon crawling as well too um so some of my favorite series of all time silent hill uh hands down is my favorite uh franchise of all time Mm. i absolutely fell in love the first time i played silent hill one um silent hill two uh fun fact and i'm not ashamed to admit it silent hill two is literally the first time i had ever played a game that had actually made me cry (laughs) i'm dead serious the the touching story and one of the parts of the game near the near the very end the voice acting was just absolutely phenomenal and it really it it evoked an emotion in me that i never thought was possible through the medium of video games until that until that moment um so it was just absolutely incredible um i would say that's the moment you became a man when you got in touch with your feelings and cried at silent hill 2 sure <laughs> we'll say that <laughs> So, Paul and I met in high school. We've been friends for a very long time. Um, Jesus, it's 15, 16 years now. 15 years, yep. Yeah, because just... 2003, you know, 2002. I mean, we... Yeah, it was about our junior year. We Mm -hmm. met through a mutual friend of ours who is no longer with us. No. Well, he's not... Let's let's correct this. He's not dead. He's just dead to us. He turned out to be a douche. (laughs) He sure did. Yeah, so through that, Paul and I solidified our friendship. I he was God, how many games did you have around the time we met? Oh god. Um when you when I met up with you guys, I must have had only like a hundred and sixty. Oh I don't god. think I was I don't think I was to two hundred yet. I, I had between hundred and sixty and hundred and eighty games. And that was back in two thousand two, two thousand three. Damn. Yeah, I remember you weren't like super into collecting you were i mean you were collecting them mm-hmm. but you weren't hunting them as no. fervently as as no you ended up doing a little bit later yeah definitely not yeah as i said that friend fell through and paul and i got to know each other better um he ended up getting getting me a job at a cemetery nearby so we worked at a cemetery together yep. for a few years that was a hell of a lot of fun it really was yeah. i actually i i loved working at the cemetery i know you were still going to college at the time i was for yeah. Being a police officer, mm-hmm. so that was cool. Yep. Too bad that didn't quite work. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy where I where I ended up. Yeah. Ultimately, but yeah, I, I mean, as far as the the collecting goes, I don't even know. I don't. I, I can't even remember. I I can't pinpoint when I decided that I was going to collect every single licensed Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I was at the time. GameStop was actually still selling Nintendo games, and a lot of the uh, retro game console games like Genesis and Super Nintendo, they were still selling all of that. Um, But I would go into GameStop, and I would pick up the cheapest of the cheap games, 
that would average anywhere between 99 cents and I think the majority were between 99 cents and $1.29, but I would sometimes get some that were $1.99 and once in a while get some that was like a $2.99 or even a $4.99 game. Um, but there was multiple times I remember having a entire GameStop bag full of games. There was like 15 or 16 games, and I would spend less than $30 on all of it. God damn. And so at one point, I think I had... I I probably had I just hit past the 200 mark. And then I thought to myself, "Well, you know what? It can't be that hard. You know what? I think I'm going to try to get every single American licensed Nintendo game that ever came out." And the only problem with that <laughs> is is that even at the time when I had de- decided that, a lot of lists that were online at that time weren't complete. They didn't have all the games. Like one one list, even the definitive Nintendo PDF that has all of their games doesn't have all the games on there. That's true. Um, and so then some lists would have certain games, and then other lists wouldn't like they wouldn't have this game, but then other lists would have these games, and it would be missing some. So so through all of it, I tried to kind of put together a a master list of all the games, and um, and so I ended up doing that and found out that it came to about six hundred and seventy eight games, um, and then from that point on, it just kind of powered through and it was it was funny because at at the time when i was collecting games like little samson weren't even on the radar no god Um, they may have been somewhat expensive but because it wasn't one of those games that was already known to be rare or super expensive um it, it just it really flew under the radar and so um along the way i would be collecting games and i'd think okay it's like i only have this many left and there there can't be too many super expensive games and watching games that didn't used to cost a lot and then all of a sudden they would skyrocket in price like panic restaurant and little samson and dragon fighter and these games that all of a sudden i'm like wait a minute that game's over a hundred dollars why is it so expensive and Hmm. um but i think by that point when i would have otherwise have kind of decided like okay you know what i think i'm this far i'm 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 happy where i'm at i was already at the point of no return and i said i gotta i gotta do this as you said you you settled on 678 games Mm -hmm. and it's funny because we get that question a lot actually is what there seems to be a lot of controversy as to what games are considered officially licensed what games are uh on the list off the list like uh flintstones surprise at dinosaur peak that one, on a lot of people's lists, seems to be excluded because it was a blockbuster exclusive. Yeah. But it was still officially licensed. So, like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, it's just, it, it is strange. It is extremely strange because certain games are excluded from certain lists and they're not from others. Um, and, I mean, there's been a lot of different discussions about what should be counted, what shouldn't be counted. Um yeah, it was actually uh, just a couple years ago. Um, they released a documentary called Nintendo Quest. Yeah, uh, Rob McCallum yeah. had uh, had done a, a, a video called Nintendo Quest where he had challenged his best friend to uh, try to track down and collect all of the uh, the licensed Nintendo games over the course of like I think it was thirty days. I'm not quite positive. I can't remember what the time frame was. I know that it was like it, it was literally like either 30 days or it was like over the course of a summer or something like that. I I think it was 30 days. Um, 
but they were going through their list of like what the most expensive games were and Flintstone Surprise Dinosaur Peak was not on that list. And I thought to myself, well, why isn't Flintstone Surprise Dinosaur Peak on there? And then it came out later in like the, um, I think in their, in their movie that because Flintstone Surprise Dinosaur Peak was a blockbuster exclusive, mm-hmm. it was actually released in November of 1994. It was really like second to last game that ever came out on the system. And for some reason... It uh, it was only available through Blockbuster Video, so it wasn't really available over like in stores. So they don't count that as as one of the licensed and available Nintendo games. Um, yep, thirty days. Thirty days. The six hundred seventy eight yeah. officially retail licensed Nintendo games for the NES in thirty days with no online purchases. Yeah, but what I don't understand though is that. Well, how if, did he get six seventy eight then? Yeah, that that I don't know. I would be curious as to what their list is. Yeah. But but that being said, then it can also be argued that why is Stadium Events on the list? A lot of people consider right. Stadium Events as the holy grail of the licensed Nintendo games, but in that same vein, literally, what the story of Stadium Events is is that it was actually Bandai who had marketed and released that along with their own power pad. Yeah. Um it was the family family fun fitness pad or something like that. And <laughs> Nintendo really liked the idea of their power pad and how it got kids instead of like the uh the whole argument of oh you're sitting playing video games you're going to get fat and out of shape and stuff like that. So they liked the fact that there was that interaction with it so that they can actually get uh exercise as well too. Yeah. So they said no 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 no. Bandai no, you can't you can't sell us because we actually have our own first party power pad that were that that we just made and so you have to cease and desist on this and because stadium events was through bandai they said nope nope you you nope you can't sell that either we made our own version of this game and we don't want you to sell it on our system we're going to sell our version it's called world class track meet it's literally the exact same game as stadium events right and so because the time that the game was on shelves it was literally on shelves for like maybe a couple days and they literally pulled off like they pulled all of the copies of the game and shipped them back to bandai and so literally people don't even know how many of this game still even exist because Mm -hmm. They had sent them all back, and they had to be destroyed. But yet, obviously, like Some I would say, I would say they said it, that the, the current number of the cartridges that still exist or that are known to exist are like somewhere between twenty six and fifty. Damn. Yeah. And so, to me, why would you even consider that an officially licensed game? Because it literally was on shelves for a couple days, and that's it. Yeah. Whereas, surprise, at Dinosaur Peak was in multitudes of blockbusters every blockbuster across the country and it had that same seal of approval meaning it was still officially licensed and it was available in the United States so it's a US official game yeah so I mean it's 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 so such a gray area for what the list really is it is such a gray area and and for what should be included what shouldn't be included um and and so I mean yeah, it's just it's it's really it's up for debate and I think people still debate it to this point, but they yeah. still I think they still generally side with the fact that um stadium events is a is an officially licensed game. Right. Even though personally I don't think it should be just because of the fact that it wasn't it wasn't made available to everyone 
for a fair amount of time. Right, like it was, right. first off, it wasn't even made available to everybody, but it was only for a couple of days, and yeah. so therefore it's it was not officially available for everybody. <laughs> well, speaking of surprise at Dinosaur Peak, that'll lead into our next topic is oh, yeah. the the conceiving of Power Trip Gaming. So, fast forward after Paul and I met, maybe. Ten years, yeah. would you say? It was about 2013, I would say. When, maybe, yeah, 2013. Yeah, yeah, it was 2013. Um, Paul ends up sending me a text. He says, Andy, I got a game in a lot. Uh, we're coming over, or I'm coming over, and we're beating this tonight. It wasn't, no, 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 no. You're misremembering. <laughs> yes, was, I am. I, I did not get it in a lot. I thought you did. I had bought it singly. Oh, God. <laughs> and I, it worse. and I, and I, I spent a lot on it. <laughs> I spent a lot, and I, and I, I texted you. I'm like, Andy, I just bought a game, and I, I I've got a project. We are going to be playing this game, and we're going to be beating it. I don't even care how hard it is, but I got to get my money's worth out of it. <laughs> so I'm coming over tonight, and we're playing this thing. Yeah. So sure enough, I get the knock on the door. We it ends up being. Flintstone surprise at Dinosaur Peak. Do you want to tell them how much you paid for it? No. It was like yeah, 500 I, bucks. No. <laughs> no. On a good day. Never mind. So I decided, like an idiot, to place a bid because there was no bids on, on the game at the time. The opening bid for the game was $699.99. Son so of a bitch. $700. And I thought, the game at the time was going for like, 750 to 800 bucks and i was like there's no way that this game like i'm not going to get it for opening bid so it was funny because i was going through a phase actually where i was bidding on certain things knowing with the intention that i was going to be outbidded mm-hmm. but i'm like it just made me feel like yeah you know what i can i can afford that if it if it ends up like if i end up winning it but i don't want to win it so i'm just going to bid it up just to kind of mess with people and so i did that with Flintstones thinking that there's no way it's going to go for the opening bid. I just, I know it's not going to go for the opening bid. And sure enough, I think I, I made the bid when there was five days left. Three days left, I'm like, oh God, I still have the high bid. Well, that's okay. A lot of the action happens in the last day. Of course. It's, you it's get all, the snipers. It's all, yeah, it's all, gonna, it's all gonna happen on the last day. That's fine. So day two, I'm still a high bidder. Day one, <laughs> unless I'm like, I'm still the high bidder. I'm like, okay, all right. It's, it, yep, things can happen on the first day or on the last day, but it's it's mainly that last hour. And so then I start watching it with like two hours left. I start watching it and I'm like, why why is nobody else bidding on this thing? I think this was even at a time when the counters were still like, there was there was counters on the, uh, the auction so you could see how many people were like visiting your page and stuff. Um, and I could still see the counter going up and I'm like, why aren't people bidding on this thing? Why aren't they bidding on it? And there was like 30 minutes left, 20, 15. I'm like, why is nobody bidding on this? Like, and now it's, it's way too, like, I can't retract my bid. Like I, I can't do that. I'm, 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 I'm stuck in this thing. And sure enough, the auction comes and it goes, it's done. And I won for the opening bid. And I'm like, 700 bucks. Son of a bitch. So seven hundred. So seven hundred bucks I paid. Damn. Yeah. So in case you're wondering, this game now goes for seven hundred thirty-seven dollars. Which I'm happy about because, at the time that I bought it, like I said, the game was going on average for about seven fifty to eight hundred bucks. Probably about a month after I had paid seven hundred dollars for that game, 
it started decreasing in price. <laughs> I think at, at, at its lowest, it was in the low 600s. Wow. And I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe... I just I can't this. believe this just happened. Of all the games that I wanted to get, like, this has always been that, that second most expensive game. Now what the hell? Like, what is going on? And now I'm, I'm glad to see that it's actually, like, starting to go back yeah. up again. That's funny. So... He comes over, we plug it in, we're playing it, we get to the, you know, we're struggling a little bit, but we're still doing pretty well. We get to the last level, and Paul ends up dying. And he, if you've watched the show, you know Paul, when he gets mad, he throws things. He threw that controller on the ground, and oh boy, the game freezes. He ends up freezing the fucking system. Cool. So... I was ready to throw in the towel. I said, fuck it, dude. We've been playing for, like, a couple hours. I'm done. I think it was, like, 1 o'clock in the morning at that point. (laughs) Yeah, it was 1 in the morning. I think you had come by almost, was it after work? Because I feel like you were still dressed up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was. So, holy crap. You know, it was already late. We were tired. But I I was ready to give up. You were like, no, fuck that. You hit reset. You kept playing from level 1. We're we're doing it. We're doing this. (laughs) I, I paid, hate you. I paid way too much for this game. We're doing this. <laughs> so lo and behold, a couple hours later, we beat the game. Mm-hmm. Boom. Surprise at Dinosaur Peak. You turn off the system. You look at me, and, you're, and I remember the look in our eyes. We were like, you know what? This is a game we have never played before. We've never picked it up. We beat it in about three to four hours. That's not bad for a game you've never played. So what's to stop us? from doing that with the rest of the collection. Like, you figure a few hours here, a few hours there. Some games are easier, some games are harder, so a lot more time. This is actually a pretty feasible idea. So from there, Power Trip Gaming kind of sprouted Mm -hmm. its wings, man. We had a couple of friends who were very good at, like, tech stuff. We had things set up, and before you knew it, boom. We were running running on Little Samson. And I do have to say that um, another side of it um, that was my inspiration for wanting to actually play through all the games is because I had heard so many stories about um, I had heard so many stories about people who said like oh they they tried to get the collection or they did get the collection and it's like okay well what did you do with it and it's yeah. like well. What do you mean? What what did I do with it? What what is there to do with it? Well, once I got it all, then I just I, I sold it or something like that, or I sold it to somebody else. It's like you, you didn't play it, and I <laughs> I was listening to a podcast at the time. It was actually the Retro Junkies. So uh, shouts out if they're listening to Rob Luther and Landon Long actually, because it was uh, it was on their episode where Landon had made a comment about when he was a kid. He said he he wanted to collect all the, the all the Nintendo games, but then he started thinking to himself, well. Once you have all the games, well, then what's there left to do? And I just remember thinking to myself, after I heard that, I'm like, what What do you mean, what's there left to do? You play them all. Yeah. Like, you don't just collect these just to, like, collect them. You don't just look at them. You don't just kind of, like, display them on a wall or something like that. No, you, video games are meant to be played. you got to play through them. And then that, coupled with actually finishing Flintstones, Surprise of Dinosaur Peak, and thinking, wait a minute, if we can pick up this game that we've never played before and beat it, kind of learn it and beat it, what's to stop us from doing that with all the games? So then it became something more than just, not just playing the games, 
but actually playing them all the way through to completion. Yeah, to get an end and, screen. That was the get, ultimate goal. To get an end screen to to each game that has an applicable end screen. Um, and it's more so also what I like about the idea of it is that you really find out that there are some truly good unknown gems in the Nintendo library that people oh, yeah. don't really bring up. They don't they don't talk about. Um, you always got the same classic games that people are all, always referring to. Um, but there are some really just some incredibly obscure gems that are just absolutely fantastic that people just don't know about. Yeah, and they're still priced fairly low. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these games, like, yeah, Little Samson alone is $1,400 now. It's higher? It's lower. What is it now? It's like just a shade over a thousand. Mother. It's, it's been going down. It's been taking a dip, huh? It has. It's like a thousand sixty, I think. Damn. Yeah. I wonder why. I don't. Well, I think it it's felt because like... it's it's it may have hit its cap. Maybe because it felt like at the Midwest Gaming Classic a few months ago, it was still at. Yeah, people were still. Yeah, people were still trying to to get thirteen or fourteen hundred from it. Holy but shit. at the same time, every uh, convention that you go to, what game's a staple there? Yeah, little Samson. It's not rare. No, <laughs> for it's... for how rare, quote unquote, it is, and how incredibly expensive it is, you find that game a lot. Like that's like the the cornerstone of a lot of people's like booths and tables. That's funny, yeah. Because I remember the convention I bought Panzer Dragoon Saga. Mm-hmm. I spent four hundred on it. Mm-hmm. I think I had only seen the one there. That one copy. This past convention we went to, I saw at least three or four. Like, all of a sudden, the ones that are rare are resurfacing. Yeah. And it's very strange. It's almost like once they get to a high enough price, I think what it is is that people who have the game, they they, they have it, but they're keeping it. So it's not out there in the wild. It's not out there in the market. And they don't want to sell it. They don't. They, they want to keep it. They want to keep playing it. But then what ends up happening is it gets to a price point where they're just like, all right, I'd be stupid not to sell it. So then all of a sudden, they start selling them, and then they start getting out in the market. And then people, of course, if, if they buy like a game like Panzer Dragoon Saga for $400, then, well, I just bought it for this. So, of course, I've got to turn around and I've got to sell it for 500 mm-hmm. And so then that perpetuates the whole the whole uh, wheel and the whole uh, machination of it continually going up where now it's $500, but then somebody pays 500 for it and they're like, I got to get 600 for it, 650. And then it keeps on going up. And so then you start seeing more of them because, Oh, well, if that game's 650, I'm going to try to sell mine too. And now everybody's out there in the market and it's yeah. surfacing, but that's just my, my theory on it. No, that's a good point. And it's, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was just how prices have changed since we've been collecting. Like Little Samson. At the Classic, it was 1400 And now it's just shy, or just a hair above 1000 Well, it's funny because that's, um, that's one of the things that I'm actually glad that I have the entire collection at this point now versus I'm still working to get towards it because collecting back then was a lot more fun than it is now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Collecting, it's not it's not really fun anymore because I felt like when I started collecting, when I really got into to collecting, it was around 2002, 2003. And it was still relatively, like, not many people collected video games. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they didn't know what to look for. There was no price charting. There was no way to tell what certain games were going for unless you looked on eBay. Um, and some people just didn't even know that games existed. And so it was it was still very much felt like an underground thing mm-hmm. is that not everybody was doing it. And then I don't even remember when it when it happened, when there was this resurgence for retro video games and all of a sudden like everybody like it just became like the cool thing to do to collect video games and and to get into that stuff and then you started seeing all the prices just skyrocket i i remember the the day that i realized something was was up and that things were were different at this point is when zombie nation for for the nintendo i I bought that game. I ended up finding it at a, at some like record store in Tennessee of all places, <laughs> in a in a value bin of like just miscellaneous odds and ends stuff. It was a mishmash of stuff. There was only two Nintendo carts in that thing in that bin. It was the Super Mario Bros. Duck Hunt dual cart, and it was Zombie Nation, and oh it was God. literally two dollars ninety nine cents. <laughs> now, at the time. I was really super happy because that was like a $30, $40 game. And I'm like, I can't believe this is in here. That's, wow. That's really cool. And this was when? That was, God, 2009? No, 2008. 2008. So 10 years ago. Yeah, it was 10 years ago. And it was like a $30, $40 game then. Um, and it was, it was a, it's a very rare, hard-to-find game. Yeah. It's definitely and not one we've come across a lot. No, no, definitely not. Um, and so I ended up picking it up. And so a couple years later, I uh, I started looking up just kind of prices of games on eBay, and all of a sudden I saw Zombie Nation. I, I don't know why I decided to look up Zombie Nation, but I did, and I'm like, the game was going for 150 to 160 dollars, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, why? What what happened? Mm-hmm. It was it it was 40 for the longest time. Now it's 160. What what happened? I don't I don't get it. <laughs> and that was when I I realized I'm like collecting is not. It's it's not as fun as it used to be. Like I felt like I was this kind of this this I don't know. I felt like I was this person kind of like doing something that nobody else did. That mm-hmm. everybody else was just kind of like they were off collecting other stuff or doing whatever they want. And it's like this is my tiny world. I'm 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 safe in here. I'm doing something that nobody else wants to do, and I'm really <laughs> enjoying it. And then that was the point that I was like, everybody else is doing it now, and it's just it's not. It's not fun. It's too mainstream. Now the prices are starting to go up, and it just it just wasn't fun because of what you were battling against. Yeah. Nowadays, by the way, Zombie Nation's two hundred and seventy bucks. And I don't know why. Loose. I mean, I mean the game. Just cart. I mean, the game itself is stupid. It, it is hard to find. I will say that it oh. is a rare game. Yes, it is. Um, I think it was developed by Meldak or something like that, or it was it was published by Meldak, who did not publish that many games and so therefore being a small company obviously they couldn't pump out all of those like they couldn't pump out many of those games yeah and so there's probably not many that exist but the game itself is not that great no it's It's, very weird it's weird it is just i i don't know you you are a disembodied disembodied head. head that is floating around trying to rescue people but yet you're shooting at buildings it's such a for weird, some reason. Like yeah. I don't, I don't get it. It's a very odd shooter, and it's it's one of those games that I just don't understand why that one in particular just skyrocketed to the to that point. I have no idea. And so it's just I remember, 
I remember uh, on eBay, yes, because I, I, I did buy games back in the day. Like, yeah, I didn't do it, quote unquote, the official way. But <laughs> honestly, I remember I, I have such good memories that it's it still felt like the hunt by getting these games on eBay, too. But um, I remember staying up until like two o'clock in the morning because there was an auction that was ending for a complete copy of Die Hard. And I knew that because it was ending at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning that obviously there wasn't going to be many snipers because they're not going to be up at that time. They're yeah. they're sleeping. Um, and so I ended up winning that game, believe it or not, for its starting bid of $1.99. Get out of here. Complete. Complete. Complete copy of Die Hard with the box and the instruction booklet. I had gotten that. And what's ironic, too, is that I also won a copy of... Um, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and that was just the box in the game. That wasn't even the instruction booklet. Paid two and a quarter for that one. So I even <laughs> paid more for that than I did for Die Hard. Wow. Die Hard complete, by the way, two hundred and seven. Yeah, yeah. And another another time, like I had gotten Mighty Final Fight. I I bought that game for five dollars on eBay. <laughs> I got it for its opening bid, and so it's like I felt like even online, you were still getting, you were still you were yeah. still like it, it was still. Like, I was still a stranger. Like, people didn't know, like, what was out there. And it felt like a virtual rummage sale. It really did. People were selling things that they weren't aware of what it was actually well, worth or what it was going to be worth. But, see, yeah, exactly. That's that's more of the thing. It's like, I don't want to feel like, well, I know that this game is really expensive or I was taking advantage of people. It's I wasn't. Mighty no. Final Fight was not an expensive game at the time. And then all of a sudden, it just completely erupted. Yeah. Um... And honestly, I think a large chunk of that is, uh, as, as much as I was so happy when it first came to be, I think that price charting really completely destroyed the hobby. Think so? Is because now that people can all of a sudden just kind of pop onto their app and see like what a game is worth, all of a sudden it's like the whole the whole idea of finding that diamond in the rough is it's out done. the window it's done now because now that information is at everybody's fingertips Eggs. and i believe exactly. we talked about this in one of the videos it might have been at the midwest gaming classic video i'm not quite positive yeah but it's like yeah now you can't really haggle too much even at conventions nope. because there's they all, know for a fact somebody's going to buy it at what they're asking yep, there's a set price if a game is 25 dollars, mm -hmm. yeah sure maybe i'll give you like i'm, I'm asking 40 but i'll give you five bucks off of that but i know that this game doesn't go for less than 25 dollars, so that's what i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna try to make a little bit extra off of it yeah at the end of every every one of our games we do a is it worth it segment we name off the price and we use pricecharting.com yeah because really that's one of the very few ways that you can get sort of an accurate assessment on what your games are worth yeah, because even even sites like eBay, sometimes the prices are so so they're so weird, so random and and so volatile. Where a game may go for five dollars, and then a, a, the same auction or like a different auction for the same game, like a couple days later, will go for thirty dollars. Yeah, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just I guess when when it was put on there and and how many people ended up seeing it. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know how price charting actually determines it, a value, is they take it's, what an, al it's an algorithm yeah, of, of you're better at this than I am. <laughs> it, it, yeah, they what they do is they scour through algorithms, um, Amazon, eBay, and some other uh, price market. 
some other online price market, and it'll it'll take all of the prices that the that the games had ended at or what they were sold at, and then it will it'll take all of those numbers and put it into an average, and that's what it will display as its average. Um, both the uh, the complete the uh, the loose with cartridge only, or if it's still sealed. Um, yeah. Well, it, on there it just says price charting eBay and Amazon. And it was it was very funny because I one of the games that I had bought, and it was when price charting was so new that <laughs> this is actually very funny. Of, of course, I don't have any any proof other than when it actually happened, but. When I had bought um, Wayne's World, it was actually on price charting. It was like a hundred and twenty dollar game, hundred and ten, some arbitrary number. I mean, but it was over a hundred dollars. I ended up getting my copy of it for ninety six dollars mm-hmm. on eBay. So I paid around the, around the realm, but because there hadn't been that many auctions for the game or that many sales of the game since then, for the next it was either two weeks to a month. Um, the the uh, the price on price charting, um, it was trending at ninety six dollars. It was trending <laughs> at what I had paid for it, and so I actually caused that trend on price charting because there was so few copies of it sold, and it couldn't get a new, it couldn't establish a new base price. Um, it's since then, it's I, I think it's actually higher than ninety six dollars, but that's how new it was back then. Was that price charting was still kind of developing itself. I mean, to be fair, who the hell wanted Wayne's World? No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, wasn't it radical? Jesus it Christ. It was. Only the diehard collectors wanted that one. <laughs> Nobody yeah. played it for nostalgia's, sh- nostalgia's sake. No. No, they did not. God. No. It was, it was shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that we have the entire collection, we're playing through it, what are you collecting now? I, I know we talked about it a bit in the, in the Midwest Gaming Classic video. I don't want to say for fear that uh, we'll, we'll have more than ten people listening to this, but because um, I, I don't want to give away the secret, but I uh, I'm actually right now I'm I've moved on to um, to Game Boy games, the original Game Boy gray carts. Yeah. Um, just because I honestly I love the Game Boy games because it, as as an adult I don't have as much time to game as I would like to, but I feel like. It, when I play a, a new game, like a PlayStation 3 game or something like that, something newer, like it is an investment. It takes a long time to actually play through an entire game. Like Some games could go 10 hours, 15, 20 hours even. Yeah. And it's like, so you, if you only can dedicate two hours to it, you don't feel like you really even scratch the surface of it. But with a Game Boy game, literally most of the, of the games, if you... Are playing for two hours you have either beaten the game or you're at least halfway through it or three quarters of the way through the game that's true and so it's like you actually feel like you had something to show for the time that you invested into it and what i also like about game boy games is that it almost still feels like the secret is still kind of like it's an untapped it's, market. it's an untapped market it's and I say that as as if I even sell my game. I don't sell my games, but no. it's like I I still feel like there's a little bit of that nostalgia for how collecting used to be by going after the Game Boy games. Yeah. Because people just aren't as into them as other stuff. Yeah. So there's a few people on the um I, we follow the two dudes in a in an NES podcast. Shout out to you guys if you listen. 
Um, Listen to Two Dudes and an S. Oh, absolutely. They're great. We've been on there a couple times. Yes, and we have. We have plans to be on there again at I, some point. Very, here. very soon, hopefully. <laughs> but there are a couple of people on their Facebook page who are doing, are collecting the entire NES collection. I would love to talk to them sometime and just get their impressions on what the market's like, mm-hmm. as opposed to like what we dealt with. You know, we went to the game crazies, the game stops, the pre-plays in, in Wisconsin and stuff where it's, like you said, Game Crazy at one point was doing game, no matter what the NES game was, it was about three ninety nine or five. No, 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 no. That was uh, that was preplayed. That was preplayed. Yeah, Game Crazy. I mean, they a lot of their games back they when free they free for ten. They did, but that was when they actually started phasing out their retro games. Oh, okay. Um, but I would say when they were first on the when they they first kind of came to be with their Nintendo games for the longest time, the most expensive game that I had seen like Nintendo wise was about twelve ninety nine. Mm. And at the time, that was actually, like, one of the more expensive games that I had ever bought. And it was, like, Bomberman 2, I remember buying there. Yeah. Um, and that was twelve ninety nine. And I had no problem doing that. But, yeah, the Game Crazies, like, Game Crazy doesn't exist anymore. No. Um, GameStop doesn't sell video games, or doesn't sell the <laughs> retro video games anymore. Yeah, that's weird. That didn't last long, did it? Well. <laughs> or is it just not the ones around us? Not the ones around us. That's so weird. So they still online they'll they'll still sell the the retro games but but no but I meant like GameStop doesn't sell retro games like back in, yeah, in like yeah. they used to. Um so now literally the only place that you have to go are either flea markets, rummage sales, um or the internet, eBay, yeah. Amazon, mom um, and pop stores. Yeah, mom and pop stores if they do exist and at this point it has been so picked over that a lot of those mom and pop stores that you go to they just They've got sports games. They've got the Mario Duck Hunt uh, dual cart. They've got a Zelda. lot of these. They've got a lot of these games that are just uh, are very common games because that's all that's out there. Yeah. And so I just yeah I, I wonder what some of these collectors are going through where if they're trying to get it. So I know that there's a couple who uh, who are part of that uh, part of that group and they're like in the six tens yeah like like one person I, I think they have like 611 games and i'm like well now it's getting to the point to where not all of those games that you're missing like they're not like cheap they're some, gonna of, them are, some are gonna be expensive and some of them are gonna be top dollar like well samson's do you feel, panic restaurant do you feel like you still want to commit to this when you, you you're gonna have to shell out probably four figures for a little samson like i mean that's just are are you prepared or do you want to or is there gonna come a point where it's just like I've gotten as many as I could feasibly get. That's where I'm stopping. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I don't know. That's why I feel like you and I did it at, like, the perfect time. It was the sweet spot. It yeah. really was the sweet spot of, of collecting when we did it. Yeah. I mean, you ended it right about the time this started to really hit, oh, like, yeah. that upward trend. Mm-hmm. That's why this, that's, this collection to me is amazing. Like, this is honestly the culmination of our friendship. Is the fucking NES collection? I know, and we, doing power trip. Yeah, if we didn't have this, we'd have nothing. We got nothing, man. Yeah, <laughs> nothing else in common. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, uh, we'll move on to our final segment, man. What it means to be a man in today's world. Why don't you tell me what it means to be a man in today's world? I mean, really, can you even <laughs> define it? Because there's especially in today's society being so politically correct and i mean for rightfully so i mean it's hard to really define what it means to be a quote-unquote man other than i have a ball sack (laughs) like because women do everything men can do 
for the most part. I mean, it's just a fact of nature. They can be breadwinners. They can take care of themselves. They don't need us. I mean, mm-hmm. and back in the day, that used to be the thing. You were def- you were a man if you took care of your family, if you took care of your wife, took care of your kids. Like, that was what it meant to be a man. Can you really even define what it means to be a man anymore? No, but I, I almost feel like it's it's a double-edged sword. Because if you try to define what it means to be a man, then you're going to be accused of being like either a bigot or a, a sexist or something of that nature. I feel yeah. like we are in such a politically correct climate that some people are even afraid to say what they want to say for fear that they're going to just be outcasted. Yeah, um, be- become outliers for their... And what it is, and it's it, it, it's funny because actually um, Henry Henry Cavill is an actor. He plays Superman in the in the DC movies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and uh, you're you're probably aware of the the whole Me Too movement, right? Yes. Like the hashtag Me Too. Yeah. yeah. Um, he had he had been interviewed. I want to say it was for GQ magazine or it was some it was some publication that he was interviewed for. And he had basically said, and I'm not sure if he had said it in in kind of a, an offensive way or if it was just poor wording, but basically I, I knew what the crux of what he was saying was, is that in today's day and age, he says that he's scared to get into a relationship because he is afraid of what may what he may accidentally or, or unintentionally do that could cause somebody to... Yeah. Do something. Well, the whole like everyone the 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 internet just completely exploded and went off on him mm. because they were basically saying, "Well, don't act like an asshole and nothing will happen. We're sorry that you feel like you can't date, that you feel inferior, that something's going to happen, but <laughs> easier maybe, said than done. Well, then maybe don't don't be like uh like don't assault a woman or don't push her to do something she doesn't want to do. Why would you you wouldn't have an issue if you didn't do that?" So are we supposed to feel sorry for you? And it's like, I completely understand where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. And they completely took what he said. And twisted And it. completely twisted it around. Because it just, like, I feel like that's the kind of environment we are in. And so if you even try to define what a man is or what makes a man a man, you're just kind of, you're, you're opening up a whole can of worms that is just going to be completely and utterly just destroyed oh yeah especially too if you look at the way men are portrayed in like media or like on tv commercials tv in general i mean (laughs) i think i mentioned these before if you watch certain commercials for like cleaning things you know the wife comes home she's happy and then the husband's sitting there, dirty as hell. He's chopping a fish head off on the He's kitchen scaling, table. Scaling a fish right on, yeah. like, all over. It's going everywhere. Yeah, it's like, like a brute. And he's just he's just smiling at her like, oh, hey. I going? caught dinner. I, yeah, <laughs> I caught dinner. <laughs> and it's like, and that's not the only one. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of commercials and even TV shows where the man is portrayed as kind of a fucking caveman idiot. Mm-hmm. And the wife is the voice of reason. It's like... All right, like, to a point I understand it, because there needs to be a dynamic in a show, it makes sense, but, like, people almost start to view men in that light. All men are, are, all we think about is having sex. All we think about is, like, we have, all men are under this certain mentality that we're sex-driven animals. Mm. Like, we're Mm -hmm. not. I would say 90% of men aren't. And I, I understand most women do not 
agree with that. Like, they, they know that most men aren't that way. Mm-hmm. But there's always that group that says, no, you guys are no, all douchebags. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yep. yep. Yeah. So it's like, so, that's why I say it's hard to define the role of a man anymore. Well, and it's funny because actually um, <laughs> I, I, I've talked with, with people who basically, and, and especially like uh, like females who say chivalry is dead. Like there's yeah. no chivalry. There's no gentleman anymore. And um, you at one point had brought up a good point saying that chivalry may be dead, but at the same time, it almost feels like women kind of destroyed that because they don't want to have these special privileges. They want to be treated just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But then they complain that, that like, well, why don't you, like, hold, pay the, door for, open hold, for hold the door open for me or be a gentleman or, like, open open my car door when I'm when I'm getting in or doing whatever it is. It's like, wait, you want to be treated this, the same so that there's no sexism going on, but then chivalry's dead it's like well what am i doing the chivalry what do you for? want me to do <laughs> yeah what am i doing it for then if yeah. like your arm's not broken then you can just open the door then yourself like or, or yeah but then you're considered an asshole but then yeah but then you might be yeah you you're you're not a you're not a gentleman if you yeah. if you don't open the door so it's like where where do you win where's the where's the 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 common ground there yeah it's almost like a lose-lose yeah you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't so it's, it's, I almost wonder if we're kind of products of our era where because we grew up in that mode of thinking that you're supposed to treat women as a gentleman, which, you know, there's no, it almost seems like there's a notion that if you treat a woman, you know, as a gentleman, like if you're a gentleman, you treat them as a woman, mm-hmm. that you're somehow demeaning them. If that makes sense, like you're almost treating them as if they're inferior, mm-hmm. but you're That's not. That's not what you're, you're doing. You're no. doing it out of the kindness of out your of heart, respect. out of respect. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a slippery slope, man. We yeah. won't get too into it because this could go on for a while, and we could get very divisive over this. Yes. Yes. But we could. I mean, who knows? It's mm-hmm. we live in a very strange time. It is, and I feel like the I, I feel like the guard is changing, and we are kind of in in a crossroads, and like we were born and bred in one time, but we're now kind of products in a different time, and it's just not lining up with us. No, technology so, I think is a huge factor in it too. Yeah, just the well, fact that be. I mean, back in the day, you could say something. And the only people who were affected were the people around you. Oh, yeah. Like, media plays a large part in that. Oh, yeah. I mean, granted, there's a lot of fucking idiots out there. Social media, not not the media. Right, right. Social media, yeah. Yeah, that should Mm -hmm. be, that should be noted. Well, and the media too, I guess. Well, yeah, but, but yeah, but I mean, with, with Facebook, with Twitter, with Instagram, everything you say, like nothing, that actually just happened with, uh, uh, do you know who James Gunn is? Mm-mm. He was the director. He he wrote and directed the Guardians of the Galaxy one and two. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And he was busy. I think he had just finished a draft of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and there were some tweets that he had made ten years ago that he was, I guess, joking about uh, rape and pedophilia. Mm-hmm. And he said that he basically came out and said like that was me at a different time when I right. thought that I was pushing boundaries by making jokes about inappropriate things. And 10 years later, I know that I don't know why I did that. It wasn't funny then, and I regret doing it then, but I I, I wanted to feel like I was progressive. Um, 
and and so those tweets came out 10 years later it took people 10 years to find those tweets but they ended up finding him now he's demonized and, well well he is but he was also fired by disney really? they removed him and said you are no longer associated with guardians of the galaxy we do not condone nor uh or agree with any of of what you had said and we are just we're parting ways with you right so basically he has been stripped of of the directorial duties of Guardians of the Galaxy. Now there's even question that um, because he had finished his draft of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, they don't know if they're going to keep it or not. Or if wow. they do, are they like are they just going to have it ghost written by somebody else so that they don't have to associate it with his name to being attached with it? Which is weird because you could... It's what like that one guy who did the Enders game. He's... Oh, Orson Scott Card. Yeah, yeah. He is very against... Gay stuff. He is, yes. Like, gay he, rights and yes, things. It's he, like he does not like that. But he does make some great stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like that one thing, do you separate the artist from the art? Mm-hmm. Bill Cosby, the Cosby show, Cosby show was still good. Yeah. Just because he was a total fucking dick doesn't take away from the good things he created. Yeah, this is true. weirdly off topic. <laughs> it is, but that's, yeah. But yeah, so we digress. Uh... Men. Well, that's where. Well, that's where we are in today's day and age. Yeah, is is just the the climate, the the yeah. political correctness of having to say things that that are right may not necessarily be what you believe, but you have to be careful what you say because of how it could be viewed from yeah. other people. And that's why I said too about the product of our generation. Like he got yelled at for making rape jokes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But actually, I was just watching 30 Rock this morning before you stopped by for recording and stuff, mm-hmm. and they made a rape joke. This was 10 years ago. 20, 30 Rock was 2008, 2009, and, yeah. you know, forward. So it's like, they made a joke about it. But, yeah, 10 years later, it's not a great thing. Yeah, You know, just like the whole uh, saying, oh, that's so gay. Like, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was... Our generation, that like, yeah, it was it was accepted to to use that as like, oh, that's stupid. Just just like the the f word, I'm not gonna say. <laughs> oh yeah, no, 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 yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a big one. Mm-hmm. That I would say, and that one just you knew something was not right about that word, even growing up saying it. Yeah, you know, because yeah. it just felt wrong. Yeah, but anyway, you know, actually, I'll circle around <clears throat> to answer your question, or to answer my question from the beginning of the show. I can pinpoint the exact time I became a man. So, in 2013, when we were conceiving Power Trip, um, my then fiance got extremely sick. Um, she had always been sickly the whole time I'd been here, or been with her, but she was okay. But, long story short, she became extremely sick. She was in the hospital all of 2013. Um, to the point where, like, she was in rehab centers and hospitals, in and out of hospitals. She was only home for a month or two. Where and it, her, one of the conditions of her coming home was I had to learn how to take care of her because she couldn't take care of herself anymore. She had a trach in her throat, she, so I had to learn how to control her vent, her ventilator, and clean it and do all these nurse things to take care of her. Well, unfortunately, she did end up passing on New Year's Day. 2014 mm-hmm. I want to say in the eyes of myself and I would say even my family and her family sticking with 
her throughout all of 2013 was the time I became a man. Because I stuck by her. Because even the doctors and stuff were telling me, they said, we've seen couples who have been together for 30 years. You know, these old old people in their 60s and 70s just can't deal with having to take care of their now disabled spouse. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know, you're because this happened when I was around 26, 27 years old. You know, most people our age at that time were still partying. They're still in co- they're still in college mode. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff wasn't ever in their thoughts. You know, most people New Year's Day, I would say, were they're sleeping off hangovers from New Year's Eve. You know, and I'm signing paperwork to take her off of life support. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I want to say that was the time I became a man. Yeah. Was the fact that I stuck by the side of the person I loved, who, for all intents and purposes, needed somebody to be with her. Mm-hmm. So there's my answer. Wow. Yeah, I don't have that kind of situation going. <laughs> that got on, kind so. of heavy. <laughs> yeah. So wow. Now I definitely feel like I'm still a kid. I am. I am not an adult. <sighs> I'm not a man. Who's got the biggest dick in the room now, bitch? <laughs> Metaphorical wiener, of course. Of course, because well, that you are a dick. Oh yeah, but anyway, that'll do it for our pilot episode, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of weird tangents. There's a lot of tangents. Yeah, hopefully it wasn't too dry. We we talked about a lot of strange things, but yeah, it was very informative. I feel. Yeah. So uh, so we hope you enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, let us know what you what you think. Uh, you can hit us up on uh, Facebook. You can hit um, us up on Twitter. You can go to. Uh, you can check out our videos on uh, on YouTube at PowerTripGaming.tv. Take you right to our channel so that you can check out all of the videos that we've done. We've done a, a plethora of Nintendo playthroughs. We even do side quest material where it's games other than the Nintendo. Um, we do reviews. Uh, we have also done um, hunts. Basically, we've gone on the hunt for. Uh, for video games as well too and we've gone to the midwest gaming classic many many years um and have some videos of that as well too so check them all out absolutely but yeah let us know what you think uh if you have anything that you want us to cover as part of a of a conversation to get to know us um anything you want to uh you want us to talk about let us know and we'll uh we'll cover it absolutely it's power trip gaming podcast now you're listening with power. Power Chip Gaming Power Cast. Power Cast. I fucked it up. Power Cast. And I was the one who came up with it. Exactly. I'm such a douche. You are a douche. <laughs> Fuck. Guess you're not a man after all. I'm a dummy. <laughs> power Chip Gaming Power Cast. Now you're listening, listening with, with power. power. Nice job flubbing the catchphrase. I'm going to say now you're playing with power. But you're not really playing, are you? That's trademarked, if I'm not mistaken. It probably, yeah. Now you're listening with power. And that's not trademarked. Because I do think the Nintendo Power thing is now a podcast. I think that they brought that back. Oh, Nintendo Power? Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. They might be saying you're listening with power, so I might have to double-check that. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'll double-check and edit it out if it is. <laughs>